Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's right. I pushed the record button. Kind of takes the edge off when you say that. You're supposed to just launch in. You hit it with gusto and you go, Welcome to the worst idea of all time, season five. Timbo and Guy Guy, the frosty fellas, the bad boys of podcasting. The bad boys of New Zealand podcasting. We are the bad boys of New Zealand podcasting. We like got it? Brexit across the line. We got Donald Trump she elected. Would, and right. now we are watching every Emmanuel <laughs> made, right. except for some of them because well, they're super dicey. We kick back and watch the world deal with the outcomes of things that we forced through. We put on a softcore porno every Tuesday morning, put our feet up, and relax. Because we're bad boys for life, bad boys for life, bad boys for life of New Zealand podcasting. We take out our turgid penises. Go for it. Just just unleash, brother. And we we stroke them. (laughs) What? We stroke them every minute, once a minute. You had me and you lost me. I I really I don't know what angle to approach the pornographic uh, content of the of these movies. Sometimes, guy, here's the thing, man. Because it's like I I don't want to hear about my penis. Yeah, I hear you. But so, like, but if you're gonna do, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna say it, then back it. You know what I mean? Just yeah. fucking get out. Confidence there. is king. That's all it is. All yeah. it is is confidence. All right, I whacked out my cock. I yes. struck it ninety times for ninety minutes. There we go. It was turgid like the whole clock. way through, like a grandfather clock. When the second hand the, got to that twelve, yeah. guy would whip out his dick. The and give grandfather it a cock, Papa there, cock himself, there Guy we. Montgomery. Yes. Oh, I've got the body of a 32-year-old man and the penis of a 90-year-old. Describe. A as old as time. Describe your cock. It's uh, mahogany. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, um, it comes from a tree that was imported to New Zealand from... Um, Eurasia. Yeah. Do you Turkey. Wanna... Turkey. All right. Do you want to talk about this movie that we just watched? The name of it was Emmanuel's Magic. And this is part of the the canon magical of series of Emmanuel films made for TV 
French films that have been uh, dubbed, not subbed, for our viewing enjoyment. There's seven of them. It's always framed by Sylvia Christel and George Lazenby on a plane reminiscing. And um, this one involves, it's sort of a two-parter. The first part is Emmanuel telling George Lazenby about how once her mate, who was married to a sculptor, He made a sculpture so beautiful and lifelike that he stopped loving his wife and fell in love with the sculpture. And Emmanuel was like, I've got just the thing for that. And she introduced her potion and she made her mate look a bit like the sculpture and fuck the husband. And then in the morning, the husband was like, my sculpture's gone missing. And they were like, oh, really? And the sculpture was there and it reunited their marriage. And then Emmanuel was like, but that's not all. After that, uh, we went to. I went to meet up with my old mates because we always meet up, me and my mates. Whenever one of our friends from high school gets married, we always meet up. There were five of us, but now there's four of us because one of us died in a very silly car crash. And the guy's like, okay. And she's like, yeah, anyway. So the four of us all met up and we were at this chalet and um, they were all like, oh, I hate being old, even though they look about 24. And she was like, oh, really? Well, I've just got just the thing for that. And she gave them all the magic potion and they became young. And then they went out and they brought home a cab driver called Johnny Guitar and they played poker in front of him for four hours until eventually they were ready to fuck. And they all took turns fucking him. The whole night, they fucked his brains out and then the next morning he was like, again? And they were like, no, you were good, but we'll see you. On your bike, Johnny Guitar, and Johnny Guitar was out of there. And then three of them had to get to the wedding of the fourth one, which was in, you guessed it, Sierra Leone. How will you get to Sierra Leone? Well, you'll carve a path through the middle of Africa that involves fucking everyone you come across. They fucked someone at an airport. They tried to fuck a guy on a boat. And the guy on the boat didn't fuck him because guess what? He turned to be a, it turned out to be the priest at the wedding. The end. That was the entire movie. Guy did a phenomenal job of that plot synopsis, and I won't have a word against it. So that's the movie that we just watched. I, at one point, wanted to get a boner, but didn't. Um, was there a specific part, or just in general? It would have been. It nice was early on. It was when um. So when they were, they, they really stacked like the woman moved in packs in this uh, in this film. They were stalking the men. They were all like it was always there was a real sense of camaraderie. They were the musketeers. They they were no one was like everyone was kind of looking out for themselves. But within that, there was a very fluid sort of approach towards OG Six in the City vibe. All all well no because Six in the City like you know for how progressive it was at the time, essentially it follows a very aside from Smith. I've not seen enough of the show, but it's a very uh, heteronormative and monogamous kind of show, and this. This movie is very heteronormative, but like it's open-minded. Not solely. Everyone, I wouldn't call the, these movies or this one heteronormative. They, yeah, they're they're very male gazy. Like it's all it's always okay for the woman to uh, want to have sex with woman, but anytime it's oh, that's suggested true. a man wants to have sex with a man, all of the women <laughs> are like disgusting. That's, that's disgusting. Yeah. Um, but the, all of the women, whenever they sort of start seducing a man and one of their mates shows up, they're never like, hey, can't you see I'm trying to fuck here? They're like, yeah, you know what's good. Do you know what I liked? I liked the first bit about the guy who wanted to fuck a statue that he made because it seemed like quite a parable. It was very, it, it, it felt like a myth, you know? It was like, and I think it was. 
It's sort of it, it reads like a don. Probably they just in, stole it from an actual myth. It was in yeah. It was set like in Greece. They splashed some cash on this budget. Once again, we travelled to. Do you know the story of Adonis? Two continents. Adonis was strong. He he fell in love with his own reflection and drowned in a pool when he threw himself in the water. Was that Adonis? Yeah. Pro- oh wait, hold on. No, this maybe it was Adonis. the nas- narcissist. Yeah, that's narcissist. Narcissus. Narcissus does that. Right, my bad. And then it, that in turn has been has trickled down. Here's your classic trickle down fable economics mm-hmm. into the iconic story of the dog with a bone. What's that? Dog's got a bone, roaming around town, having a good time. Sees himself. Cop a look at this bone. Yeah. Crosses a bridge, looks into the water, sees another dog with a bigger bone. Opens his mouth to grab the bigger bone. What's he gone and done? He loses his bone. Well, he's dropped his bone into yeah. the water. Yep. And there was no other dog. Yeah. So, for those of you who who are a big fan of the band Travis and believe that the grass is always green on the other side, take a second look because sometimes the thing you want is actually the thing you've already got. Macy Gray also espoused that same virtue through song. Someone, Someone once told, told by me. Ginger. Yeah, dude. Finally, it gets the a relevant point. Much greener on the other side. And then later on in that same song, she says, uh, from where I'm standing, my grass is green. Really? Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So that song actually comes full circle. All in the intro. I think it was written for the show too. Did you ever hear there was a rumor um, that went around that uh, Macy Gray, this is such a New Zealand rumor, Macy Gray put... The reason she has such a gravelly voice is because she puts sand on her wheat bix. <laughs> that is fucking cooked. Where did you hear that? <laughs> Just around. That's so funny. It's so funny that anyone would would even bother saying that on her wheat. I was a ch- I was a child. Folks, yeah, the- let me introduce you to wheat bix. Wheat bix are like a a, a multi um, grain biscuit. Very dry. It's like what would it be in America? What do they call it? Wheaties, wheat, yeah, wheaties is different. Broken though, down. Isn't it? Yeah, in it's America a, they put whole... sugar into all their cereal, so it's yeah. hard to describe. It's... But get this, guys, it's made by this company called Sanitarium, and they market it as being the most fucking kiwi thing around. But the thing about Sanitarium is, it is a wing of a church, and therefore this company that fucking sponsors children's triathlon competitions and spends millions of dollars every year on advertising doesn't pay a cent in taxes because they're a church. That's right. That would and be And it is a national outrage. Well, they're actually Australian based as well. Well then it's doubly cooked. Our whole life we're like I think they're Kiwi of- kids are wheat bix kids. And then if you go to Australia and watch the T V ads over there, all of them are being told Aussie kids are wheat bix kids. Is that how they do the same syllables? thing happens with Milo. Yeah Milo's fucking Nestle. In there, like, dog and Milo's like Milo, the Kiwi drink. And McDonald's, Milo. while we're here, <laughs> yeah, the McDo- Kiwi burger's just an Aussie burger. And McDonald's was started in America. What the fuck is all that about? What's going on? And the Pizza Hut. It's not even a hut. Hold it's on. It's a franchise. No, hold on. You're getting angry about a different thing. We're going to stay on this transnational corporations claiming themselves as patriotic while advertising their specific brand in New well, Zealand. Well, it's good business, don't you know? It is good business, I do but all it's the, trickery. I do all the tax stuff for uh, Sanitarium. Nothing, in other words. Yeah. Yeah, good for it's you. It's a cushy gig. Good man. It is a bloody outrage, though. Someone Absolutely. should strip them of their tax-free status. I think... Um, They're a fucking business. They're making wheat bix for Christ's sake. 
Friend of the podcast. Yeah, blaspheme to make the point. Friend of the podcast, Alice Snedden, did an episode of her fantastic show, Bad News, about sanitarium. Really good. You can find it on YouTube, Alice Snedden's Bad News. And while we are talking about wheat books, anyway, Macy Gray didn't have Saturday wheat books. The funniest thing about that rumor is the assumption that Macy Gray has wheat books for breakfast because yeah. everyone has wheat books for breakfast. And the way that wheat books market themselves was always, how many can you do? So it's like, it's, it's not enough genius, to just eh? have the cereal. It's how many of them can you eat? And one they used time to on pit school, children against all blacks. One time, fully grown rugby players. On school camp in year 10, I had 26 wheat books. You did not. I did. One for every letter of the alphabet. That's what I said when I started. It's what I did. Oh, my God. Did you get to the end? Yeah. Did you vomit? No. Wow. That's that's legitimately really impressive. The body of a teenage boy 26. is a remarkable thing. Yeah, it truly is. And that's the same body that was watching these movies. That's the same body. No, it's not. That didn't have the grandfather cock. Hmm. Had the supple, untouched, virginal flesh of a 14-year-old boy. God, I thought I didn't want to hear about the grandfather cock. Definitely don't want to hear about the 14-year-old one. <laughs> I can talk about it because I was 14 then. Yeah, it's your cock. Yeah, I can <laughs> reminisce about it as frequently and as often as I like. People don't have to listen to it. Marketing your food as being like, hey, how much do you reckon you can eat of this shit is genius. And there's another Wheat Bix Challenge in New Zealand, which is called the Wheat Bix Challenge, which is to try and eat a dry wheat biscuit in under one minute. Have you tried that? No. It sounds do you like think you doing, could do a, it? doing a um, teaspoon of cinnamon or something. It's a lot better than that. Is it? Hard? A minute's quite a long time. I think I'd struggle. I'm just remembering exactly how dry wheat fix is. <laughs> it's impossible. Oh, it's not impossible. People have done it, but I tried. Yeah, you can it do just, it. Just like it just cakes up your It'd mouth. It'd be horrible, as well. Yeah. It'd just be like it wouldn't be fun. Nasty. That doesn't business. sound. Like it's fun it. watching your mate do it. Yeah, yeah. That's usually how those things go. But yeah, their ads. They would have like world class athletes at the height of their powers who were training every day. Big booty men in excess of 100 kilograms, and it'd be like, Dan Carter can eat 30 of these fucking things. What about you, child? Can you eat 30 biscuits of wheat? And we'd be like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Dan Carter, I can eat 30. And then you try and eat 30, and you fucking spew everywhere, and your mum and dad would be cross because you ate all the breakfast for the keeps whole week. It keeps you regular, though. I wasn't allowed sugar on my cereal for a very long time. That's good, man. That's a good shout. My mum kept quite a close eye on the sugar intake um, when when we were kids on especially things like brekkie. Got relaxed as we got a bit older. But I think it's a good thing to instill in a child, you know, under the age of 12, to just be like, oi, you fucking mind that sugar. Sugar is a drug. It's very bad. Sugar is, if you watch, which I have had the pleasure of doing, you, you give a five-year-old a semi-significant amount of sugar and watch them become high. Yeah. It's like feeding someone cocaine. Like, it is the journeys map perfectly on top of one another. It's like a surge of energy, a lot of self belief, a lot of ideas, <laughs> and then this devastating crash back down to reality. <laughs> like, I can't believe I said all of that. What was I thinking? I'm humiliated. I'm tired. Don't look at me. I just want to be by myself. We need to get off the stuff, don't we? The cocaine. Big, um,. Yeah, that too. Sugar, the most pervasive, I think, in, in the soft drinks, if you're asking me, and thanks for asking me. I briefly got addicted to Coca-Cola at high school. I would drink um, just one, I think. It was one 600-ml bottle of every single day. And um, I remember 
uh, not knowing I was addicted. And then one day, for some reason, I didn't have one. I got a crippling headache. And I went, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> I guess I should get off Coke. And then I got off it. I'll tell you what else I used to eat at high school every single day. Two pies. Two Mrs. Max pies. Wow. I'd have one chili beef and cheese. It was like essentially dog food. I felt sick hearing you say it. <laughs> I love them to this day. I like, they're bad, but I'd love the taste of them. And what was the other pie? Uh, I'd mix that up. Keep it fresh. Keep the body guessing. Steak. Um, pepper steak. Steak and cheese. Chili Pe- beef and cheese. Those pepper so steak sounds good. Yeah, I think what they would do is they would get, here was, this was almost the start of a joke. I didn't even realize this. At high school, I was kind of forming like, the start of a, almost a stand-up routine, but I used to have this idea that it was like when you you got the, the fresh cuts of meat at Mrs. Max, that would be a steak pie, and then when they got a little bit older, you had to like add something to mask the fact that it was old, and that was pepper steak. And then when that got old, then you would turn that into a mince pie. And then when that got old, you would turn that into a mince and cheese. We really had to like <laughs> add shit to mask the taste. And what about the steak and bean Chili beef and cheese. Yeah. That is when that thing has been lying in the sun <laughs> and everyone forgot that it was supposed to go on a pie at some point and it has grown a grisly and th- fungi on top of it and you've got to add chili to mask the And taste. that's the one that you would have every... You wouldn't I loved rot- it. You wouldn't just have like your premium steak and then rotate the other. That's- I think what that was about is I um, made a concerted effort um, in my teenage years to like be able to eat spicy food. And I knew that you would, I would, I would hit it by incrementalism. So I would just eat uh, as much ever increasingly hot foods as I could, so I could get a palate for it. Incredible, and it worked. I dodged spicy food because I didn't like the experience. Olive is obsessed with whether or not food is spicy. Really, every piece of food is that spicy. This is the aforementioned child who gets high yeah. on sugar and comes up with cool ideas. You got you got hot sauce on that. Is that spicy? Is that a little bit spicy? Is that very spicy or just a little bit spicy? Whose joke is it that describes um, fizzy fizzy drinks as spicy? I don't know. I I found them spiky. <laughs> I didn't drink them. When you're talking about drinking Coke as a boy, I um I didn't have soft drink at all. And I found it crazy they were called soft drink because I found them so challenging because I hated the <laughs> sensation. Why the fuck are they called soft drink? You're right. They're the opposite of soft drink. Uh, they're but, a hard drink. No, nah, it's it's rel- it's relative to alcohol. The entire marketplace of that drink is measured against whether or not you've mixed it with alcohol. Is that truly where it gets the name? Yeah. A hard drink, a soft drink. Yeah. Huh. So if you drink soda, you're soft. But if you drink gallons of vodka, you're a stone cold legend. Gotcha. I see who came up with this. Mr. Johnny Walker himself. That's right. From the distillery. Johnny Guitar. From the distillery of Jim Beam. What was one of your favorite moments of the film? I like, in a genuine way, I thought they were getting close to a good, like a good proper horny scene when the guy was shooting clay pigeons off the side of the boat and the woman came and he was like, no, 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 I'll teach you how to shoot. Because they took it a little bit of time. There's the secret to getting a boner in your audience. Just His like, name was Cyrus McAllister. Some good ass names. Father Cyrus McAllister. Cyrus McAllister. We had Michael uh, Dis- Dissery. Dysentery. 
Dysentery, Michael Dysentery. Yeah. They keep saying everyone's last name in this for no reason at all. We'd see, we'd meet a character for a minute, and they'd be like, uh, "Michael there's Dysentery." Actually, there's actually almost like a drunk history element to this franchise. I'm, I'm thinking now, where like Lazenby and Sylvia Cristel just got to cut sick, have a few drinks from first class, and they'd roll camera, hmm. and then they'd have to like insert the character names and certain flourishes that they inserted into the actual stories. That would be so much more fun than what has actually happened. With Sylvia Cristal, it's weird because it's not like she's a bad actor, but her style is very red. You know, like it's very obviously exactly what was on the page. Whereas I see George Lazenby making the material his own. I think The man doesn't know how do to know- laugh in a... Believable the difference way, is but... that Sylvia Cristel needs the work and George Lazenby doesn't give a fuck. And so his energy is that of like an aloof and indifferent person and Sylvia, Chris- Sylvia Cristel's putting something into it. I don't think you get a former Bond on a softcore made-for-TV porno if he doesn't need to be there. I don't <laughs> think he's doing that. For That's as may be, but like it's a big get for the film. Yeah. And he knows it. Right, I see. He's showing up swinging on, his big yeah, Bond yeah. dick around. He's, it was only one, George. You're in one, and then they never cast you again. Yeah, but I got that one. Yeah, it's more than you. How many Bond? Yeah, it's more than you'll ever get. Steve, the key grip. Whenever anyone criticizes me for only starring in one Bond film, I was asking the same question. How many have you done? Yeah, how many were you in? <laughs> <laughs> I asked that to Sean Connery once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, even Timothy Dalton did like three. You know, gave him a few. He was bad. Nah, he was alright actually. I don't mind Timothy Dalton. I submitted a theme song for James Bond once. Did you? How'd it go? Bond, James Bond. He's the spy with a gun, man. Look out! He's gonna get you if you're bad. But if you're good, he might just try to fuck you. Guy Montgomery doing Flight of the Concords, doing David Bowie, doing a Bond song. <laughs> no. It is a babushka theme. Guy Montgomery singing. The hits. My Christmas album. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective, professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to. So that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. 
You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. You, d- you pulled out. We get pretty bored while we watch these, and so often we'll make up little ditties and just sing songs over the top of the movie. And Guy was absolutely crushing it today, folks. And it's a it's a damn crying shame that you can't hear it. that it wasn't recorded. I was just trying to sing the myth of the man who f- the sculpt the sculptor who fell in love. Yeah, with they his... keep calling a sculpturist. I was like, yeah. we've already got a name for this the, thing, guys. The sculptor who fell in love with his sculpture. Just like, have you ever had your husband fall in love with the work he's creating and then your friend comes over and says, I got this magic potion and she puts it on your chest then you become kind of like the sculpture and you fuck your husband and she's like, it's going to be all good and then then, then it is. (laughs) Uh, Trust me, guys. (laughs) It was worse than that. It was really good. And it rhymed and everything. I'm hating this, Tim. I'm what? hating these films. I'm yeah. hating watching pornography. Yeah, I know. It's I'm not good trapped, at all. Trapped on the hamster wheel. Hey, what do you think about this? I've got a theory that um, George Lazenby and Sylvia Cristal are dead and in purgatory. And that's why this plane ride, which itself is the perfect visual metaphor for being neither in one place nor another seems to go on forever because they're recounting stories about their life in front of the creator to determine whether or not they get to go to heaven or hell. Oh, wow. Thoughts? And in fact, we've already established that the guy sitting behind them is, is God. Yeah, yeah. So this makes perfect sense. I'm wondering whether or not that they're ghosts and that they have to deal to their unfinished business. And respectively, their unfinished business is recounting tales of sexual conquests on, a, on the part of Sylvia Christel and on George Lazenby's which is a much bigger job, to be fair, hearing everyone in the world reminisce on every single time they had sex. Oh, man, what a what a thing. What I mean, a thing. the guy's built for it. Nothing fucking gets this guy's end away more than hearing someone tell him about how they had sex once. Tell me another one of your stories. It's time for Listening with Lazenby. She's not very good at telling stories either. They well, don't talk about Sylvia like that. They meander. They don't make sure, a lot of sense. Sure, they're non-linear, and occasionally she introduces superfluous detail, and other times she leaves out stuff that's pretty central to what I'm trying to hear about, but inevitably someone rubs their cock on the belly button, and, <laughs> well, I'll be damned if that doesn't get my grandfather cock rather excited. Hi, I'm George Lazenby. And this is listening with Lazenby. What goes? What makes? What makes a good porno guy? Um, you want context, I think. So you want to know why the people are having sex, and um, this movie kind of. You also want consex, which is consensual sex. That's right, or as we call it, 
sex. Yes. Um, yeah, I think this movie splits the difference. I think it's like it understands the concept of story and providing context and then doesn't understand how to execute that. Mm. And so it's like a child trying to draw a picture of uh, anything, a rocket. And it's like, I can see that this is meant to be a rocket. Yeah. I understand what you're trying to do, but also this does not look particularly like a rocket. And so it's like, I can see that this is meant to be a story. Mm -hmm. And I can appreciate that you're trying to tell it to me, but this is not a story. Yeah. And so what you have is just like, it's just, I think that's what makes it so frustrating and does really trap you in that purgatory feel is it's just like you're just muddling through these occasionally very unsatisfying sexual moments. And like, you know, Bone Patrol, in principle, fantastic segment. In actuality, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these boner inspectors stopped showing up to work mm. because you come into the office, you know, 10 times and there's not a single boner. It's inevitable that the inspector's going to be like, well, if you guys aren't going to get boners, I'm going to stop showing up. At some point when the system is so ironclad that you could be at work for every day for a decade and everyone has bought their ticket the whole time. The ticket collector is going to be very... Uh, they're going to be in a very... Do you know what? Dubious position. They're going to be, it's going to be hard for them to self-motivate to turn up. But the exciting thing is the idea of that happening and then people being like, ticket collector's not really coming by anymore. I know I could pay for the ticket, but maybe today I'll just chance my arm. Have you ever done that in Melbourne on the trams? Uh, I have. I've never been caught. Did you know that? Have you seen people get busted on the tram? I've got a relevant anecdote for this, but it doesn't involve me. It involves my wife. Say it properly. My wife. Thank you. Um, So Zoe went to Germany and didn't pay her bus ticket once and got caught. And it's like, I think, a reasonably big deal there when you do that. And then left. And... To this day, she's always been quite fearful that it's this outstanding ticket and she's going to get arrested as soon as she sets foot in the EU. In the EU? <laughs> no. Wait, Germany's part of the EU, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sweet. But anywhere in Europe? Well, probably Germany, to be honest. Yeah, Germany. But she's brought maybe. it up when I've been like, we should go to Berlin. I've never been to Berlin. I really want to go to Berlin. Zoe's been to Berlin. She's told me amazing stories of her time in Berlin. Amazing stories. Fantastic nightclubs. Rich culture. She said, Berlin is a city you want to be in. Dirt cheap. No, not what I've heard. Berlin? Yeah. Yeah, Berlin's cheap as chips. Is it? Yeah. Fuck. It's becoming more expensive by the year. It's It's been famous for being cheap for a long time. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Munich, on the other hand. That's where the money gets spent. That's where you got your big spend in krauts. Hey, big spender. Is it okay to call Germans krauts? Um... I'm going to ask Bixby. Okay. <laughs> Bixby. Bixby. Fuck. It might be okay to call Germans Krauts. It's not okay to call your assistant Bixby. Hey, Bixby. Is it is it okay to call Germans Krauts? We're so stealing a bit off Chris Park now. I couldn't now. find any contacts for Germans Krauts. Try checking and tell me. Bixby, again. you fucking monster. You're fired. I I don't know why they have that on the phone. It drives me nuts. Bixby has never correctly heard me once. It's never provided an answer to the question I'm asking. Yeah. And there's literally already a very good version of it called Google Assistant. 
it's right there on the phone, baked <laughs> into the operating system. I want to pitch a porno to you. It's on a boat. Wait. Hi, Tim. George here. Probably wondering why I took this meeting on a plane. I find them to be the most erotic setting for one of my listening sessions. I understand you've got a story to tell. Hello, George. Please, go ahead. Call me Mr. Lazenby. Mr. Lazenby. George was my father's name. We open... Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) We open with a drone shot of a cruise ship. Do you remember those? Is the drone horny? The drone is not horny Hmm. because the drone has a very important job. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for your time, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) That was really stressful. (laughs) Okay, go again. Nah, man, it's done. Honestly, it's done, it's done. It's done. I had my shot and I blew it. I can't believe I blew it to George Lazenby himself. <laughs> Famously the world's best listener. Fuck. <laughs> I'm devastated. <laughs> I'm absolutely gutted by that. Oh, well. Maybe next time, I guess. There is always next time. Guy, do you think we're done with um, all of the made-for-TV ones now? I hope so. I'd just like to say, actually, I think that's a great segment, though, moving forward. Every week, pitch a porno with George Lazenby. Picture porno with George Lazenby. With George Lazenby, the world's greatest listener. That's right. That is a re- that's a really nice little segment. That is- if anyone would like to make a sting for that, Please. send it into. Um, uh, no, I never checked that email. Ah, send it anyway. Little Empire, <laughs> Little Empire Podcasts at gmail.com. That has genuinely put a spring in my step because okay. that is a game that we can look forward to week in, week out. You say that now. I'm, Get your thinking cap on, guy, because those pornos do not write themselves. I've seen a handful of pornos that did appear to write themselves <laughs> in a random sexual situation simulator. No, it was Le Rue. What's his name again? Le- the director and writer of all of these? Ah. Oh, I think it's the same guy. I think he's Mr. the Mr. Emmanuel. Mm. Please. Oh. Emmanuel was my father's name. Call me Mr. You can't see this, but I just shook my head and rolled my eyes in an incredibly dismissive manner. Just quickly while I've got you here, Tim. Okay. I saw something really great on Netflix last night that I wanted to talk to you about. What was it? It's a stand-up comedy special called Asian Mama, Mexican Kids, by none other than the great Rob Schneider. This is highly inappropriate. (laughs) You shouldn't be bringing this up here. Why the title, you ask? Would you like to have a guess? Or would you, so like, would you like me to tell you or would you like to have a guess? I'm holding a camera lens just so I've got something to fiddle with at the moment. So it's about 250 bucks, <laughs> and I have very little <laughs> compunction about socking you in the face with it. If you insist on telling me one more time why Rob Schneider's most recent special, only special, is called Asian Mom. Mexican kids. Asian mama. Yeah. Not Asian mom. Yeah. It's because his mama is Asian. His kids, however, in stark contrast, 
It's at the um, level now where I might not just end the episode, <laughs> but also the podcast and our friendship. That's how many times you've done it. That's how angry it makes me. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. I was actually saying this to Chelsea yesterday. This is probably one of my most annoying traits, but I firmly believe the more that you do something, which is actually embedded in this podcast, the funnier it becomes. We were watching MasterChef and Chelsea, the the final challenge in MasterChef back to win Australia was like, uh, they had to serve all of the other contestants and the judges. So it was like 60 dishes, three courses. They've got four hours. And Chelsea was like, what would you... Um, what would your menu be? And I said, scrambled eggs. Main. <laughs> and then she was like, no, I'm not doing this with you. You're not taking it seriously. <laughs> and then 10 minutes later, she asked me again. And I said, scrambled eggs, main. <laughs> Soft boiled eggs on tray. Fried eggs dessert. And she got so, like, it just kept going and going. And then the day afterwards, she was asking me and I was still doing the bit. And I, like, she doesn't think it's funny at all anymore. And, yeah. And it I sounds think- like she didn't even at the start. Because this is also based on a joke you do on stage where you rattle off a bunch of different egg recipes <laughs> in the succession, which she's seen. She's seen that joke. She knows where this is coming from. <laughs> the more you can bring it up, the better it becomes. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. How do you feel towards me? Antagonized. Mm. I feel like you've found a button and you just insist on hitting it over and over again. Anyway, guys, um, catch us next week. You can give a shining light. I, I can give you one. Um, that bit where they're talking about how there used to be another friend in their group after they've all fucked the taxi driver relentlessly all night and then a wind blows through the room for 20 seconds <laughs> like Ashley has come to visit yeah. them to say hi. That, that was great. I really liked the... Um, Dumb and Dumber-esque sort of escapades they had with uh, Father Cyrus McAllister, where it's like he kept getting into these very sexually compromising situations with the woman, and then something would get in the way. Or like, the, the, there were a lot of characters in the movie who the woman were very blatantly and aggressively hitting on, and mm-hmm. they were like, whoa. They just couldn't wrap their head around. They were like oblivious to these come-ons. I thought that was a good recurring gag. Just going to do it for this episode of The Worst Idea of All Time um, and our review for Emmanuel's Magic, which I am giving... Hold on, we've got to give it a little review. We don't have to. We've done it with only a couple of these movies, but I'm gonna. I'm giving it one cup of coffee out of five cups of coffee. No, two and a half. Two and a half cups of coffee out of five. I'm giving it five... I'm giving it five, and I'm not telling you what the scoring scale is. Five, one number for every letter in the word magic, which is what this cinema experience was. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go and whack off into a bush. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns.